We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. Remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with both of my co-hosts today, Andrew Mertig and Maggie Loney. Uh, what's up, guys? What's going on? It's good to be back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Yeah, this is super, super exciting because I just realized today that we are three shows, including this one, away from us talking about the Packers' first round draft pick. So we have a show today, we have a show next week, we have a show next next week, and then it's going (laughs) to be draft coverage. That's pretty cool. That's pretty exciting. That's fun stuff. I'm honestly just waiting for us to have the Thursday night and for the Packers to trade back into the second and us to have no picks to discuss. <laughs> We've talked about that. That's our doomsday scenario. Yes, and I fully expect it to happen. I actually expected it last year, and then we had the Jordan Love pick come up, and we we had to deal with that, and it was a lot of fun. So I don't, I don't know what to say. Fun is a word. But <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. All right. It so was. let's not let's not uh you know take too long here. Let's go right into the fun of the podcast today. And our 
episode today is going to center on a prospect discussion of three defensive linemen. And it's been well documented that the Packers could really benefit from having someone who could give Kenny Clark some help in the trenches. And many people have commented that this draft class is not super well stocked with elite defensive linemen. And I would say that's probably true to an extent. Uh, But that doesn't mean that there aren't some really good players deeper in the draft or some players uh, who you might take in those first couple rounds that have really high ceilings, uh, but just have a few more question marks attached to them as prospects. But uh, the three defensive linemen that we are going to introduce today are Iowa's uh, Davion Nixon, Christian Barmore of Alabama, and Levi Anzariki from Washington. And we're going to jump right into Davion Nixon here. He has a great story on top of being a very talented defensive lineman. He committed to Iowa out of high school, but then was diagnosed with a learning disability that prevented him from being academically eligible at Iowa. So he started at a JUCO in Western Iowa and then worked his way back to the University of Iowa. And in one post-game interview that he does, he gets pretty emotional, just kind of reflecting on all the work that it took to give back to Iowa. So uh, Nixon is clearly someone who's easy to pull for, and I hope he just keeps stacking that success as he heads to the NFL. But I know that Maggie has a little bit of a connection with Nixon. Yeah, I have a soft spot for him. I've talked about this a little bit before. Um, but I graduated from high school in 2011, and at the time, my high school didn't have a football team. Uh, we didn't even have gym. Like, we would go to the bowling alley or we would play dodgeball, uh, just did <laughs> cross-country skiing. Um, those were our gym activities. Um, then when my high school became a comprehensive high school, they got all of the bells and whistles and all the sports teams. Uh, so Davion Nixon actually graduated from my high school in 2017, and he will be the first player from my high school now that there is a football team to get drafted into the NFL, which is pretty cool. Um, but like Kyle said, yeah, went to Juco, started there, made his way to Iowa, and now potentially day two I guess maybe even a late night one pick, depending on what happens with some of those top defensive linemen. Uh, His dad is a Chicago Bears fan, so it'd probably be a little bit unfortunate for him if the Packers took him. Uh, But you have to think that they're going to give him kind of an extended look with this not being the deepest defensive line class. So one of the things I really like about him, he's got violent hands, can really push the pocket, and he's got big man athleticism. If you're looking for probably his best, most fun highlight to watch, he had a pick six against Penn State where he returned at 71 yards. Um, He led the Big Ten with 14 tackles for a loss in 2020, and he was a unanimous 2020 consensus All-American. So just really like him, and I hope he does well at the next level. Yeah, Maggie mentioned that Nixon has some serious big man athleticism. He ran the 40 in 4.86 seconds at 313 pounds, which is pretty insane. Uh, But Davion has had a very unconventional path. And because of all that adversity in the way, uh, you have to think that there's a pretty good chance that his best football is still ahead of him, which makes him kind of an exciting prospect uh, to pull for and to hope maybe ends up on your NFL team as well. But Christian Barmore is our next prospect that we want to discuss on the podcast today. And 
I feel like Christian Barmore of Alabama is kind of a boom or bust prospect because when he is good, he is so, so good. He's a great, great player. Uh, but he has stretches where he'll just disappear, and you kind of wonder why the motor may run hot or cold. Uh, but he's absolutely a force in the run game and a super powerful player in especially that run game. Uh, but he's really raw. He doesn't have a lot of nuance to his pass rush at this point. I think he's mostly just kind of a bull rush with maybe a swim move on top of that, but not a lot of other counters. So uh, he has a really solid RAS as well. 8.2. But if you look a little closer, his numbers in the agility drills were pretty poor, and he didn't compete in the broad jump, the vertical, or the bench press. We don't have any numbers there. So uh, we don't have that athletic testing for Barmore, and we have a really limited sample size for him as well because of how little he played at Alabama. He was a one-year starter there. Uh, So someone is going to take a big risk on Barmore that could pay off in a huge, huge way. He's that talented. Uh, He could be kind of that top 15 kind of player in this class uh, as far as value if he continues to play like he did at the end of 2020 Uh, but there's just a lot of risk I think attached to Christian Barmore yeah and I'm going to talk a little bit about what I saw with Barmore and and a lot of this is really just going to echo what Kyle said because I I think we saw a very similar player on tape Uh, for me he's he's a guy with a ton of physical strength he is a really good mover for a 300 pound plus guy He'll be a force in the run game early because he's going to be able to anchor, take on double teams, use quickness to get through blockers. But I think he's a ways away for, as a pass rusher. And Kyle talked about this. He He's going to beat guys with speed and strength. But that's just not going to suffice when you get to the next level. He has to develop some counters to get production. And he's a ways away from, from doing that. And, and I think he'll follow the path of many other Bama defense linemen develop into a good player pretty quickly. I just don't expect immediate returns. The one thing that concerns me you know, Kyle talked about he didn't compete in some of the, the drills. Well, that was a theme on his tape. He didn't compete a lot oh. right? in game <laughs> situations. And and that to me is alarming because he seems like a guy who took off a ton of plays. You see that sometimes with, with college players who are the focal point of the defense. You know, we've heard that of top-notch edge rushers before or, you know, huge guys in the interior because they're playing every down. They're getting beat up. They, they're getting triple teamed at times. Barmer wasn't facing that. He's on a Bama team that's loaded. He's in a rotation. Like, I want to see this guy go out and on his snaps really compete. He's got the advantage of the best coaching in the country. Didn't necessarily take advantage of it. He's the guy that scares scares me to death. Now, if they drafted him, could, could you get optimistic that he's going to sit down in a room with Kenny Clark and a really great coaching staff, and they're going to motivate him to play really well every play? Sure. I would get optimistic about that. But... The idea right now that they might draft him scares me. Yeah, I'm with you there. And we know, I think Brian Gutekunst attended the pro day uh, there at Alabama. And so you kind of go through the prospects at Alabama trying to figure out, like, okay, who on this team is going to be available when the Packers pick and uh, may interest the Packers. And his name pops up, you know, especially with the defensive line need. And I'm with Andrew that it it makes me nervous. Um, You hear a lot of prospects, rather scouts, rather, uh, talk about, how when he turns it on, he's just unstoppable. And just finding a team and a defense and a a position coach that can unlock that and get him to play to that level all the time is going to be the key. And that's just not a player that I'm willing to bet on in the first round. I want a guy who I know is going to give me that motor 
um, all the time and is just doesn't need that extra motivation to decide he has all these traits and to use them uh, to the best of his ability all the time. But um, interesting ball of clay. Someone's going to take that swing uh, early in the draft, probably. Uh, Levi Anzariki is our, our next player here. And Anzariki might be one of my favorite defensive line prospects in this draft. Um, again, I would be terrified to take him as early as he probably will go. Uh, he was on track to develop into that clear, clear first round type of prospect. Uh, but he did opt out out of the 2020 season because of COVID. And obviously you have to respect that decision to opt out. But another year of football would have helped so, so much in his evaluation and made it so much easier for NFL teams to pull the trigger on him early in the draft. But Anzariki is super athletic. Uh, naturally, probably a three-tech and an even front is his best fit. But if he were to add a little bit of weight, he could be a nice fit in that 3-4 defense as well. So uh, you have to like his potential as a scheme-diverse defender. And so while he's a really nice athlete who has pass-rushing traits, and I think that's probably what you get excited about if you are a talent evaluator, I really liked how well he already plays the run at his current size. So if he were to just get a little bit bigger, I think you feel really good about his ability to stay on the field on all three downs. Uh, Anzariki posted a 9.16 RAS uh, with a 4.85 40 time at 290 pounds. So uh, as Andrew likes to say, this guy is a far reek with the <laughs> extra uh, emphasis there. And and like I said, I am a little bit nervous about some of the projection required in his evaluation. But if he can add that 10 pounds, just get a little bit stronger, he's, he's a guy that I could see the Packers getting excited about, about the player that he can become. The thing that makes me nervous about Anzariki is he has said in a couple of interviews, this you know off-season process and the draft process, that he doesn't really want to add the weight. He's kind of said, I like playing in that 290 to 295 pounds, and that kind of limits how excited I get if he if he thinks he's he's that guy who wants to be the three-tech who plays a little bit lighter. But really exciting player and a guy I think a lot of teams will fall in love with. Yeah, it's like Kyle and I were sharing notes here. I absolutely <laughs> agree with you about potentially putting on just a tad bit of weight. I think what surprises me, though, when I watch him is that despite being maybe a tad undersized right now by NFL standards, he's almost better as a run defender than a pass rusher, which at 290, I would tend to expect the opposite. Yeah. 16 tackles for loss, seven sacks in three seasons with Washington before, like you said, he opted out. Uh, so there's a lot to like there as far as kind of what he can bring to a team already has the ability to stuff the run. So as he develops kind of that pass rush, rushing arsenal at the next level, that's when you could really see him kind of becoming that every down lineman. Well, we talked about our three prospects and we still have some time today. So I developed a game. I was unable to formulate a rivalry with Perry last week, by <laughs> trash talking her. She did not take the bait. So I thought what better way to continue my heelish ways than to drive a wedge between Kyle and Maggie. So I'm going to put them <laughs> through a, a bunch of situations tonight where they have to make a decision. This is a game called Would You Rather? And uh, I'm going to give you two or three scenarios and, and you're going to have to pick which one you would like and then, you know, fight each other to the death on, on which one you're going to back. Okay. Come on. That's, uh, that's okay, fine. Maybe, we can do that. Maybe, maybe that's a bit extreme. Okay. I would, this is the game show, you know, I, I was very inspired. Our quarterback is hosting a game show. I, I thought that uh, maybe I should as well. So the, the first <laughs> would you rather 
is would you rather have J.C. Horn and Walker Little, so you have the cornerback J.C. Horn and the tackle Walker Little, or tackle Christian Derrissaw and cornerback Trill Williams? So I'm thinking here this is probably like a first, second round combination. So we're addressing tackle and corner. Oh, we're taking the second player in the second round? Well, I mean, that's not explicitly written okay. in the situation, All right. but All it, right. it's probably the case, right? All right? Sorry. We won't bore people with draft value on the podcast today. Okay. <laughs> so I'm mad at you, for one, because this is a horrible situation to be in, to have to decide between these two scenarios, because I love so many of these players, but... I'm mad at you all the time, so this is not new. So uh, I'm just going to – I'm going to go with uh, Christian Derrissaw and Trill Williams as the combination. Um, obviously, we know that the Packers have had interest in upgrading the offensive line for a long time. They continue to show pre-draft interest in looking at all of these tackles. And for a couple of years in a row now, we haven't seen them pull that trigger. I think if Christian Derrissaw were to fall a little bit, we've heard a little bit of rumor and maybe uh, Penny Sewell may fall a little bit further than people may have thought. If that happens, maybe there's a domino effect and Christian Derrissaw maybe lasts into the late teens, early 20s in a place where the Packers could pull the trigger in a, in a move up. We know that uh, Brian Gutekunst was at the Virginia Tech Pro Day, so a little bit of interest there. We assume it was uh, Caleb Farley, but you, you never know. And so uh, adding a player to that caliber would be very interesting. And uh, Trill Williams is, is so fun. I think he's di- diverse in how you can use him. He can play outside. He can play inside. He can be that kind of uh, star defender in the slot for you. So um, I, I don't love if Trill Williams is my first addition as a secondary player. Um, I think we need a little bit more of a true outside perimeter guy that you're really confident can be that developmental piece. But I'm okay with Christian Derrissaw and Trill Williams uh, being my combo here. Yeah, I love Trill Williams. So, Andrew, I'm also mad at you. Um, mm-hmm. Mostly because you tried to pick a fight with Perry and I can't allow that. But I'm... I'm going to take the opposite. I'll take J.C. Horn and Walker Little. And to me, um, this is really interesting because it feels like J.C. Horn is a player that the Packers would maybe have to trade up for. And I'm always excited about the Packers trading up. Um, I just think that this is a draft class where a lot of good talent will fall. We talked about this, obviously, in the beginning of the show, where it could be a possibility that the Packers trade back into the second. We don't have anybody to talk about on our Thursday night show uh, for Friday. And then the Packers double dip in like the second round. But to me, J.C. Horn is a guy that I could absolutely see Brian Gutekunst trading up for, similar to Jair Alexander. Just think the talent level's there. And Walker Little, obviously, is a very talented offensive lineman, probably a little bit more of a de- developmental guy. Not sure he would come in and win the tackle spot right away when a guy like Billy Turner is there, but another really good prospect that I think the Packers would be fortunate to be able to take. Yeah, so my rationale there was combining sort of a, a player with with a first-round grade that would be a great value for the Packers, right? So even though I maybe don't like J.C. Horn as much as everybody else, certainly <laughs> getting him at, in 29 or even a short trade-up for him would be a really good value based on where he's being projected. Christian Derrissaw, exact same thing. And then with the other two, Walker Little and True Williams, they seem a little rich in the second round, but maybe that's that's you know the best player available at the position that you need um, when you get down into the second round. So I, I appreciate both of those perspectives a lot. Now, this next question is, would you rather have the Packers draft three wide receivers and no defensive linemen or three defensive linemen and no wide receivers? <laughs> this is the perfect, like, uh, 
Brian Gutekind's trolling all of Packers Twitter who have been like <laughs> begging for wide receivers for years. And he just comes out and drafts like four in a row or something like that. All right. So I'm, I'm going to take the three wide receivers in this scenario. Um, unless I'm mistaken, every wide receiver that the Packers currently have under contract in 2021 are not under contract in 2022. Obviously, we hope and pray that Adams is extended sometime soon, but the rest of this group is very much in flux going forward. And so clearing, clearly ignoring the op- other option here is, you know, is going to leave a hole. They need to address defensive tackle, but I would be fine restocking the cupboard with talent at wide receiver. Um, and I'm imagining in this scenario, <laughs> okay, I'm imagining Elijah Moore. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I'm imagining getting Nico Collins and then someone like Jalen Darden a little bit later on. Um, it gets weird fast, but it's a lot of fun. I don't know how responsible it would be, but I think it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm going to agree here. It'd be very on brand for me to want to take three defensive linemen, uh, but I have to agree with Kyle. Uh, It seems entirely possible that the Packers could return a starting trio of Adams, Lazard, and MVS with re-signings and extensions. They very likely all could be back in 2022, but uh, I think they need more juice than that, right? I'm not sure Devin Funches is going to be the guy or if EQ is a long-term option. Uh, So if the Packers can't retain even one of MVS or Lazard going into 2022, let alone both of them, the wide receiver room becomes even more of a concern than the D-line room since you have Clark locked up long-term and Kingsley still on his rookie deal. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC, maximum balance and transfer limits apply. I actually think that both of you are wrong. 
<laughs> Shocking. <laughs> I mean, it, and, and here's my rationale. If you draft three wide receivers, you know, may, maybe two of them are late and you can sneak them out of the practice squad, but otherwise you're pushing a bunch of talent off your roster, right? Like that means that Equinemius or Funchess or you know, somebody else that's currently in, in the locker room is not going to make the team. Whereas I think if you draft three defensive linemen, there's a fairly good chance that all three of them are going to make the roster mm-hmm. um, because you, you you have Kenny and you have Dean Lowry and you have Kiki. And after that, like, I don't know that there's an NFL player around. So it's really interesting. I remember back to a conversation we had last year, and I don't know that this ended up being the case in 2020. I'd have to check. But there's a long history of Matt LaFleur only keeping six wide receivers as a max on his on his offensive roster. So that I didn't think about that when we were doing that, but you're right. Like You are potentially looking at trying to stash or trying to boot some guys off your roster. So I still hold to my opinion um, but that's an interesting thought that you added as far as how that, that matters in your roster construction. Though, I mean, in fairness to both of you, I'm sure the Packers don't value Equinemius St. Brown the same way that I do. <laughs> and then, you know, they're really looking at like, okay, we already have two wide receiver spots then, right? After the the big three and then probably Funches. So they have two spots and then you're going to sneak that late round guy into the practice squad. How awkward would it be if they drafted... Amon Ross St. Brown, and then EQ got cut. <laughs> I was going to say that exact same thing. So, yeah, same page. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a family reunion possibility, but then it could get really awkward in September when they release the final rosters, and they're like, oh, uh, just just one of you's here. So anyway. I, would, I, I would think you'd have a very upset former Mr. Universe. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Who is their father, of course, if if anyone <laughs> listening knows that that was a weird, weird inside story. Um, okay, so next next situation. Would you rather the Packers trade up aggressively and only have five top 100 picks, but nothing after that, or trade down aggressively and have 15 picks with none in the top 50? Okay, all right. Um, okay, so I'm going to say five in the top 100 is an easy pick for me. Uh, 15 picks is a lot, and you might think, well, no team is crazy enough to have 15 picks. The Vikings actually did last year, which is interesting. Um, Only 11 of those 15, we were just talking about roster construction and how much room there is for uh, rookies to make it onto a team, right? Only 11 of those 15 selections from last year for the Vikings actually made their roster. I don't know, you know, practice squad, I'm sure they were able to sneak a couple of guys onto the practice squad, but there comes a point where a rookie class can be too big. Your roster cannot be 25% rookie. So I much prefer a team being aggressive, uh, give up some day three picks and move up for the players that you really want to target, and then leave the draft with five, six, or seven guys, obviously five in this scenario. But I'm happy with five guys if I feel like those are the guys I wanted. I'm always happy with five guys, but talking about now draft picks. (laughs) (laughs) No, Kyle, we always agree on absolutely everything, apparently, but... uh, um, I don't know if this is Andrew asking easy questions, but if we're talking about the Packers team potentially going, quote, all in or, you know, running it back, then I think you're really looking at one or two players who can come in and contribute immediately. So 15 picks is a ton of depth players, and it does very little to get you over the hump of an NFC championship game. Top, like if you take five top 100 picks, maybe that puts you over that hump then into a Super Bowl because you're getting starting caliber players who all have really high value early. 
All right. Well, you don't like my questions. I'm done. <laughs> this is going to get awkward if he leaves. Yeah. But, but moving on. Uh, next question. If, if the Packers could only sign one free agent, would you rather they sign tackle Mitchell Schwartz or defense lineman Drell Casey? Mm. Yeah. To me, this is without a doubt Mitchell Schwartz. Until the 2020 season, he started every game of his career, All-Pro in 2018, NFL Top 100, which, you know, take that with a grain of salt in 2019, but absolutely could be that kind of free agent run-stopper, or run-stopper, <laughs> stop-gap at right tackle for a year or two while the Packers develop their guy of the future, let's say, like, Walker Little, if, he's, <laughs> if he happens to be a guy that the Packers take uh, aggressively in the second round, a la Jason Spriggs. Okay, so I will disagree with you here just from a philosophical standpoint. Although Mitchell Schwartz, in addition like that, would feel very much like a Wick Ra- Let's try this again. Rick Wagner uh, addition where you have a lot of guys on your offensive line that you can rely on. And that was such a strength last year, being able to plug and play guys um, and not really have any fall off with injuries and those kinds of things. So I would like that addition. But with the defensive line being how it is, adding someone like Jarrell Casey going into the draft and not having to press the issue with players that maybe you're just not super sure that you value them where you'd probably have to take them um, and freeing up those top 100 picks, as we said, uh, for your secondary and for offensive weapons and those kinds of things. I think that that could be advantageous. So I would add Jarrell Casey here in this scenario. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I think, I mean, it's, it's, both these players were fantastic in their prime. You just wonder what what's left uh, for mm-hmm. each one. And um, it is interesting that both of them are sitting out there and you wonder if the money is there for, for some team to come in and swoop them up before the beginning of the season. But uh, last situation, would you rather see the Packers spend a top 62 pick, so one of their first two picks, on a running back, tight end, or edge player, and you have to pick one? Oh, this isn't fair because I know what Maggie's gonna say. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna I am going to go a different direction than Maggie, and she's gonna hate me for it. But the correct answer, which I'm sure Maggie will give you because she's smart, is edge because it's a premium position. So that is absolutely probably what should be said. However, I'm gonna say running back just because I'm stupid and because that gives me the chance at Michael Carter or Kenneth Gainwell in this in this scenario. And I love both of those players and I think that they could add a lot to this Packers offense. Obviously we have a lot of I guess you could say depth at running back right now. People are mad that we spent a second round pick on a running back last year and then spent money on Aaron Jones this offseason. However, Aaron Jones' contract is really a two years and then we'll see kind of contract. So if you draft someone in the second round like uh, Kenneth Gainwell or Michael Carter, you can enjoy them uh, in a limited fashion and then they can kind of be your running back of the future in two years when you need to get cheaper. So if I have to choose, I will be stupid and ignore Edge and take uh, one of these flashy uh, running backs. Yeah, maybe my brand is just too predictable and I need to change it up. But edge all day, (laughs) absolutely. Uh, To me, it's obviously the most premium position that was given to us. And, you know, while I hate to give Jacob Westendorf credit for absolutely anything that he does, uh, he always (laughs) says that you are one rolled ankle away from a bare cupboard. So if you look at Zadarius Smith, he was fortunate to play all of his games so far with the Packers, but he dealt with a lot of nagging injuries throughout his first couple seasons. Preston and Rashawn missed a couple games each. So if you have a high 
edge pick. It gives you plenty of depth, not only at the edge position, but then you also have some flexibility rushing the passer if you want to kick Z or Gary inside and then, you know, kind of help strengthen that D line that you've neglected again by taking an edge rusher in your top two picks. And I, I have a couple of edge rusher related questions since since you <laughs> went there. Number one is I, I think that's the right answer, right? Because out of out of the you know three positions I gave you, it's the only one that is a premium position. Running back and tight end definitely are not. But with Zedarius, Preston, Rashawn Gary, and then I think John Garvin, and you can even put in Tipa Galea. Um, do you think the Packers have enough edge rushers? Like, I mean, they're probably only going to carry five, right? Maybe six at a max. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, Randy Ramsey to me is, I think, a question mark there too because obviously he made the roster and people was the practice squad guy, but I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like they haven't seen enough of Jonathan Garvin to know what they have in him. I think a lot of NFL teams would be psyched to have the trio that the Packers have. And I think yeah. that's a reason that they went ahead and brought back Preston so that they could have that kind of luxury scenario. So for 2021, I think you're really excited. I just I think it's hard with the holes on the roster to go into the first two days of the draft and spend a pick on edge, knowing that your window is now. And if you don't get other help in other areas, it would be great to have a great group of edge rushers in 2022, but it, it doesn't really help you in, in this year, or maybe even 2022 as that player is still developing. So I think that they I think they feel pretty good about that group. And I do think as so many evaluators that we like and that we trust have great things to say about Jonathan Garvin. So I feel like if you put a player who's like a third round selection ahead of him, it may just bury his development and you may not really ever know what you had. Yeah. And we all know John Garvin's going to be really, really good pro because I said so. <laughs> just like Proud Kendall Donerson. Yes. Oh, wow. Geez. Oh, geez. That, that, that's, uh, that's Listen, fighting, fighting a little dirty, but baggy. we'll, We'll, we'll let it go. You're new Kendall, to the Kendall, show, so... Kendall Donerson's mom follows Andrew on Twitter, so... That's true. I remember that. Yeah, I remember <laughs> so, does Mar- so does Marcus Davenport. Still, while he's on the Saints, <laughs> still follows me on Twitter. No idea why. So, um, last uh, thing, regarding yeah. edge rushers, there's all of this, like, sudden buzz around Boogie Basham from Wake Forest connecting him to the Packers. I don't get it at all. But the other thing that that popped into my head today was if there ever was a Packer built edge rusher, Jason away is the guy talk about like crazy Farik athlete as Kyle thinks I like to say, uh, but like so long, so athletic has the ability that if he wanted to stack some weight onto his frame, he, he definitely could do that. I mean, do you see any way that the Packers actually take an edge in the first round, whether it be Boogie Basham or or maybe like somebody that we're not necessarily targeting right now? I'm terrified to answer this question, so I want Maggie to answer it. I'm going to jinx us, so. I love Jason Owe. We talked about him last week, and I mean, I don't see it happening, but I also didn't see the Packers trading up for Jordan Love and then taking A.J. Dillon in the second round, and here we are, so mm-hmm. can't can't knock it out of the equation yeah I would say to this point I have I think that Brian Gutekunst has done an incredible job 
in the draft, navigating the draft to needs, but also taking, you know, players at a value and those kinds of things. I will say that through three years, I have not been able to peg anything that he has, he has done. And that's, you know, going Elton Jenkins in the second round. Um, you know, the Rashawn Gary pick was so unexpected to me. It makes so much sense in hindsight when you consider the uh, Milt Hendrickson, you know, connection and how the, the Ravens value those bigger guys and those kinds of things. But, man, I it's so hard to say anything is outside the realm of possibility, like Maggie said, just because it just does seem that there's some freak pick every year that we we come to love but we we just didn't have it on our radar at this point so i have some other names in the back of my head right now that i just feel like could be those surprises none of them are edge rushers right now um but i do i mean i saw the basham thing and i was like i don't know like he fits the profile but that seems a little bit wild uh to me at this point yeah totally agree and i was i was taken aback quite a bit by by that news so i just wanted to get your thoughts I appreciate it. We had some fun edge rusher discussion to close the show today. Uh, before we wrap up, I know you guys are doing some good work around the internet to prep everyone for the NFL draft that's coming up in just a couple weeks. Uh, Andrew, what's going on over at Game on Wisconsin? Yeah, so uh, this week I had an article um, that sort of justified the first 20 players that I had rated on my top 250, which is really what I wanted to talk about this week. Not so much the article, but um, I finally got to release my top 250 list uh, over the weekend at some point, maybe Sunday. And then um, on Thursday night, so we're as we were recording, right before we were recording, I, I sent out a link. I finished my horizontal draft board, which is really sort of like the the thesis or the dissertation of my draft <laughs> evals um that's where you know i lay out prospects on a grid so you can kind of combine you know you, you get up and you see who's still available and if they have a first round grade um you know that that's where i feel comfortable picking them so um, i think that gives you a little bit better idea of the big picture and not just like looking at players on a numbered list so i'm pretty excited about that very cool. If you want to see how high Paulson Adebo can be ranked by any <laughs> draft evaluator, check out Andrew's rankings for sure. Um, but Maggie, uh, what's going on with you over at uh, Pax What She Said or anything else that you're working on right now? Yeah, please check out Pax What She Said if you haven't already. We just had uh, our first live show for She Said TV uh, was this past Tuesday. And then the podcast, we had special guest Bailey Burmaster, uh, sports reporter for WBAY in Green Bay. She's just exceptional. Um, she called herself edgy and sarcastic on Twitter. So <laughs> she's just a lot of fun, uh, gives a lot of really good insight. She actually uh, got to cover Patrick Mahomes before he became Patrick Mahomes. So a lot of really fun kind of stories from her interview with us. Um, Chisa TV Draft Guide is also out. Um, actually, I don't know if it's out yet. I just got my copy of it today, which was pretty cool. Looks it pretty is. Cool, yeah, so. it's downloadable. <laughs> okay, well, thank you, Andrew, for, for covering for me. But yeah, those are... Keep keep an eye out on all those things. Yeah, so go check out the She Said TV draft guide and packs what she said. Uh, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been Pack Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney. And you can find me at Andrew Murdig. Remember, also follow at Pack Day Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Maggie, Kyle, and myself every single Friday. And we'll be back next week with more draft coverage. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember...
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.